Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including... CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiaki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiaki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net.
Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. We're proudly coming to you through the ever-expanding X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring All Roads Lead to Rome. There's an interesting phenomenon I've come to refer to as peeing on the lodgepole. Though it presents itself in every spiritual practice, and I've since, since witnessed it in many, the first experience I had was while studying Native American spirituality, thus the name. I was invited to an anipi, otherwise known as a sweat lodge ceremony, being held by a group of people from numerous nationalities and backgrounds. It was my practice not to mention my own training or experience in order to not interfere with what people were doing, as I wanted to experience various renditions of the ceremony. It started off well enough with hugs and greetings. The ceremonial fire was burning bright and buckets of water set by a well-built lodge. Everything looked traditional and in order accordance with my training, so I began to relax and build hope that this would be a good experience. We'd removed our shoes and were entering the lodge on hands and knees when trouble reared its ugly head. Two ladies, one Lakota and the other Navajo, started arguing about who would sit in the West. While the West has come to be seen as a throne of sorts where the more evolved elders sit, I was taught it was originally the direction of a well-trained person sat to help the lodge pourer manage spiritual energy during the ceremony. The person sitting in the West was to be appointed by the lodge pourer rather than self-appointed. However, this particular lodge pourer seemed oblivious as the women had a battle of the elbows vying for position. Finally, everyone settled out. The firekeeper brought the stones, the flap was closed, and the first round began. Without request or permission from the lodge pourer, a man started singing loudly. Another man protested that it was the wrong song for the direction and was not to be sung that way. Again, without permission, a Caucasian lady threw a handful of lavender on the stones. She said it was to clear the negative energy caused by the argument. She was promptly reprimanded by another man who told her that Lavender had no place in the lodge and she had just desecrated the grandfathers. Long story short, it went downhill from there with much posturing and argument. The frequency of the lodge, rather than rising as is the purpose of the ceremony, plummeted until I felt physically ill. A whole lot of chanting and banging of drums getting us nowhere but down fast. I elected to leave after the first round. There are many so-called seekers professing to be pursuing the road to enlightenment. Some individuals jump from one practice to another without ever going deep enough to develop mastery before moving on to the next. Others are so busy touting their own road, they never get around to walking it themselves. Still others treat it like a potluck, taking some from this tradition, some from that, creating their own form and naming it after themselves. Yet the problem is not the road, but the intent. If the conscious or unconscious intent is to build one's ego, the road goes nowhere no matter how viable the form. It's not the road, but the traveler that dictates the destination. Enlightenment takes intention, focus, and willingness to look at ourselves and our perceived failings. It requires dedication, humility, prayerfulness, and gratitude in all things. Evolution is not without its cost. We must sacrifice many a sacred cow, 
reevaluate our position over and over again, and relinquish our very identity more than once, regardless of the road taken. All roads can lead to enlightenment. You need only set your intent to evolve and start walking. Our guest this hour, Father Bob McDonald, author of Volume of Sacred Law and the Volume of Sacred Law Continued Writings. He's the prior of the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue in Southern India. After a short break, we'll introduce Bob and consider the magic and science of the many roads to enlightenment and spiritual evolution, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Prior innovative episodes can always be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net, and we're proudly produced by Relmar Media Company, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called RISE 
May 8th through the 12th, 2017. And the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our Rise Retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Frater Bob McDonald, author of the volume of Sacred Law and the volume of Sacred Law Continued Writings. He's the prior of the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue in southern India. Along with being a practicing Gnostic and prior of his church, Frater Bob is also an initiate in several Western mystery traditions, a teacher of Kabbalah, a certified Reiki practitioner, and an initiate in a branch of Hinduism. You can find him on his Facebook page, facebook.com slash GnosticChurchDV. Prada Bob, thank you for joining us on the Science of Magic. Thank you for having me. How did you become prior? What's your training? <clears throat> My training is um, extensive uh, initiations in various traditions. I was trained by... Um, several spiritual teachers throughout my life. Um, I started putting together the study group, and from the study group, it evolved into the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue. So tell us a little bit about the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue. The Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue is a Gnostic uh, collection of individuals, spiritual seekers, uh, individuals that are simply curious about Gnostic philosophy and practice. Uh, The essence of Gnosticism is to teach and study and dive into the intuitive understandings of your connection to the divine. That's the essence of Gnosticism. And within that, we, we gather together and we study and we pray and we commune with each other. Where, where did the Gnostic Church begin? <clears throat> the Gnostic Church began here, or the, the Gnostic Church in its entirety has, I say, murky origins. Uh, there are several 
historical points of origin within the Gnostic practice. So you had, I would say, for instance, the ancient Essenes were Gnostics. There were, in medieval times, the Cathars and the Bogomils. These were individuals that practiced the Gnostic approach. Um, you, you found Gnosticism in the origins of it in ancient Egypt. You, you found the origins of Gnosticism also in ancient Hebraic Judaism. And it's developed over time. Currently, what we practice in this day and age would be understood to be more of a neo-Gnosticism, a revival of the ancient Gnostic approach. Would you mind going a little further into what that approach is? You said it's, you use your, is it accessing your intuition in order to access the divine? How does that work? Well, it's the, it's the understanding that we have a connection to a divine current. And we search in our heart for what I referred to as the little signs, the sparks of awareness and the moments of divine inspiration. In order to do that, you simply have to listen to the voice of God, which, which dwells in everyone's heart. So it's a, it's a practice that is subtle. It's a practice that is um, universal in the, in the sense that anyone, whether they're Christian or Jewish or Muslim or Hindu, uh, contain this vital divine essence and can tap into it. You know, it, se- it seems like <laughs> we've kind of lost touch with it. How do you advise people to start moving back to where they can actually access their own uh, voice of God? Well, a lot of us grow up in a society that kind of expects you to approach God and in, in within strictures and within kind of this 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 you must do this in order to achieve this kind of philosophy. So in the Gnostic church what we tell people is that God is with you in totality. There is no we, we we let people understand right off the bat that you are the intention of God's work. So instead of approaching God as if there is a separation and there is a um, disconnection and an unfamiliarity, we teach and we encourage them to understand that God is within the heart. God manifests and moves and the the sole purpose is for this connection to blossom throughout one's life. It just requires time. It requires study. It requires the ability to have the open heart to, to accept the understanding that there is not um, a restriction. There's not a, um, how would I say this? There's not a condemnation right off the bat. You know, everyone, when I grew up, would associate God with the, the quick condemnation. You're, you're condemned, and you're approaching the divine guilty already. Guilty is charged. We teach that you approach the divine as the child of the divine, and you are already 
as the divine expects you to be. So when you start to work with that, the, the past shackles start to fall away and you start to relax your heart. And it's just a process. I've seen it happen several times, time and time again with individuals, but it's not something that happens fast. You don't show up and start practicing and, and studying, and all of a sudden you have it. It's something that you grow into like a relationship. You know, in, in our society, you know, we've been brought up in a punitive way, usually a lot of us. And so from the get-go, we're taught that we're not okay the way we are following our promptings and that we have to change or toe the line in order to be acceptable. So this seems almost diametrically opposed, doesn't it? So do we have right. to literally walk out of our conditioning to, to, to access this? Um, I think that there's, there is going to be a bit of, a bit of removal of that conditioning. There has to be, especially when the conditioning itself is really antithetical to the process of divine awareness. When you put too much uh, homegrown human structure around something and you focus more on that than the real connection, the real purpose of the connection, um, you do a lot of damage. I mean, I know people that have had experiences in religious practice that scarred them. And when they approach God again, it's with a bit of post-traumatic stress from their, from their past experiences. When they start to understand that, that God is not the architect of that, of that stress and that persecution, then they start to, to slowly approach what God is a little differently. They start to understand, and, and in the subtle signs, they start to hear the voice of God speaking to them and their hearts melt. And that's the, that's the goal. That's the goal of, of anyone that helps someone else try to find hope and try to find self-realization and their personal connection to the, the divine. That's the goal. So it seems like this would be diametrically opposed to the systems at hand. In other words, what you're describing to me sounds like personal empowerment to access God through your own heart versus being subject to someone that tells you how to connect with God. Do you find that to be true? Well, the, the essence of Gnosticism is empowering, yes. Um, I think there has to be, well, let's use my religious community for an example. For a religious community to exist, there should be an agreement between individuals. Someone should not lord power. Someone should not say, I am this way because I'm inherently closer to the reality or the truth. What I tell people is, is something that I learned a long time ago, that I am still myself a seeker. And what I'm, not, what I'm doing is I'm not telling people that I have the answers or the solutions. I'm showing people a way that I'm walking and a way that other folks walk and we walk that way and we invite people to walk with us, but no one is commanding. No one is, um, no one is putting themselves on a pedestal. I have a real problem with that 
personally in, in, in spiritual approach. You, you have to bring people into a home and make them feel comfortable. And, and, and the, the whole reason that we exist as a spiritual community is to care for one another. And if that caring and if that, that the real, if the real caring is not there, the real desire for another person to experience awareness and hope and self-fulfillment, then you're going about it the wrong way because it, there, you, you start to bring in those, those petty elements otherwise. So it sounds like you are approaching it from understanding that no two answers are going to be the same, that, the, that our personal answers that are located with our connection with God may not be similar to one another, but that doesn't right. make them wrong? Right. Correct. It's, it, is, it is how God is speaking to you personally. There are, what, seven billion of us now on this planet, and there are seven billion ways we approach God. Or don't approach God at all, but it's all different. Everyone, my understanding of the divine is going to be different. There are going to be points of similarity, and this is where communities develop, where there are things about a community that you participate in, aesthetic qualities, um, philosophical qualities of a community that you find yourself in sync with other individuals and communities develop that way, a willingness and a desire to walk a path with somebody. But when you walk a path with somebody and you're on one side of the path and they're on another, but you're walking in the same direction, you're not walking in the same way. Your, your walk is not the same. Your gait's not the same. The way you, where you're stepping is not the same, but you're on the same path. And this, this should be the focus of the esoteric traditions, to let people know that they're not alone on the path, but they're getting there in the way that they can, just like I am, and just like you are. So our individuality is a gift that we bring to the uh, community. The individuality is the essence of, of the human experience. Mm. If uh, if you take the individuality out of... We're going to have to talk about individuality on the other side of a break. Um, Frater Bob and I will return to our discussion after this short break. We're coming to you through the land of leading-edge paranormal broadcasting, the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to thescienceofmagic.net. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. We will be back, so don't you go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, 
Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. 
I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour, Frater Bob McDonald, author of the volume Sacred Law and the volume of Sacred Law Continued Writings. Uh, Frater Bob, we were talking about um, the combination, beautiful combination, it's an art form in my, my way of thinking, of being able to honor the individual's connection with God or with spirit and at the same time come together into community where the 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 whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Would you like to continue speaking about that for us? <clears throat> well, when the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue first started, uh, like I said, it started as kind of a, and it still is in a sense, a loose confederation of seekers that had a desire to perform a an approach that was similar. Uh, we all philosophically align with many things through that alignment we under and through our past experiences studying various faiths we understood that our the core of our philosophical approach was very much in alignment with gnosticism so in a sense we are all gnostics but how that approach happens is totally varied for instance i also am initiated i'm an initiated shaivite within hinduism other individuals have never studied Hinduism. They don't have any desire to. Some individuals are Wiccan. Some individuals have pursued other paths. Um, these things are not a stumbling block for us. They're simply more ingredients to, to reach fulfillment through spiritual understanding. Mm. You know, it's one my original um, Lakota teacher told me that it's in the blood. It's so important to allow people to have their approach to the divine because the traditions that are are still in existence align better with some people than others just based on their heritage. Do you see that? Yeah. Um, well, I'll give you an example. I, I was raised Roman Catholic, and I've told others that my first experiences into Gnostic awareness— into Gnostic tradition came from monks and priests that taught me. Um, they found within their tradition beauty and serenity and peace, and it did not mean for them that they had to degradate another tradition. They had to simply experience what inspired them experienced God in the way that spoke to them. And for them, that was through the Roman Catholic traditions, the mystical traditions of the church. So I grew up in this. Uh, my grandmother, before she met my grandfather, was a nun. And when I grew up, I grew up with a very keen understanding of the esoteric nature of, for instance, the sacraments. And this never left me. So my desire to experience a sacramental tradition uh, is still there and potent. And it's something that currently, for instance, uh, Friday and Saturday, I'm being ordained as a priest into the Oriental Apostolic Church of Damkar. And this is a group led by Tal Michael Basilides, Tal Michael III, a wonderful man, also a Gnostic, an Orthodox someone that I am keen to his teaching. We align in our purpose, in our journey, 
And so as a result, I feel comfortable to join that church and to continue the path in the, in the sacramental tradition. This is something that is not required of other people. This is, this is uh, my particular approach because it resonates within me. Mm-hmm. Someone else will have another path, another approach resonate with them, whether it's a Buddhist approach, whether it's non-sacramental Christianity, something more like, uh, you know, I have a, a friend that's a Pentecostal and considered very Gnostic. He experiences his religion in a way that gives him joy and allows him to connect to other people without ridicule or fear or the need to place themselves over someone else. It's, it's, it's the soul connection. What, what's the philosophy of active unity? The philosophy of active unity is that we are all sparks of the light of the divine current. Active unity means that we understand the inherent truth in the hearts of all individuals that solemnly and and sincerely seek to know God. However, whatever understanding that will take onto a person, it's, it's your, if you are experiencing that connection and relationship, that is as legitimate as mine. Without, without any distinction to the quality. There is, if someone has practiced Hinduism for 50 years and has only practiced Hinduism and seeks God with sincerity and, and with, with truth, then that person is, there is no distinction between the Catholic monk that has practiced for 50 years. So it's like all roads lead to Rome, right? All roads lead to Rome, absolutely. <laughs> Would you tell us about the attainment of Gnos and what it involves? The attainment of Gnosis? Mm-hmm. The attainment of Gnosis is, I guess, an easy way to say it is, I don't know if I will ever attain true Gnosis. I, I don't know if I'll ever at- attain enlightenment. I don't feel like I've gotten there yet. If I had gotten there, I, I think I wouldn't still be working so hard. Does that make sense? It does. I, I, I take the steps in hope that it will bring me closer to maybe better understanding what I need to do to attain Gnosis. I know that sounds bizarre, but it's, it's, it's kind of this, this long walk that I'm taking and the first step, I think, on that path is to recognize that, that the divine is alive in all things and that all things flow through divine awareness. When you understand that, you are taking your first small steps. How, how is that going to manifest for you then for the duration of your journey is is up only to your relationship with God. My personal spiritual walk has taken me in a in a pretty winding road and I've I've at times taken some steps backward 
and sometimes I've taken some very fast steps forward, but I've made it a a personal practice to continue on that journey. And I've been in the spiritual walk for two decades at least at this point. It's been a consuming aspect of my life. My understanding of my relationship with God is something that that I think about constantly. Would, would you, you also practice Reiki. Um, how does it fit in yeah. with this? It sounds like you're talking about the flow. That kind of t- ties together somehow. Reiki is one of those universal practices that brings the, the divine essence through you once again. So it is a method of achieving um, the same thing, whether it's Gnostic practice, whether it's Buddhist meditation, Reiki healing, uh, Christian faith healing, um, anything you would want to, want to think of, the, the, the goal is to bring the light of divine awareness and divine healing through you out to others. You have to be a lamp for the light in your life. That is, that is the, the hallmark of the pilgrim, is to, is to not be the light, but to simply be the lamp and, and to carry the light within you. What steps does a person have to take before they can do that? Uh, the first step is simply a desire to. Have a desire in your heart to have that connection. And you've, just by having the desire to connect to the divine, the connection is made. It's very simple. Other stuff, when it comes to individual or distinctive practice, for instance, the sacramental tradition that I'm within, the sacramental tradition that the Gnostic Church exists in, um, we all have made agreements to pursue this out of a desire. So we use a methodology. Our, our methodology is that consistent with the Western sacramental tradition. So we use this to help us, but it is not the be-all and end-all. All that is required is our connection to divinity, and that only happens through internal desire, through internal realization. So we call it self-realization in a sense because we are aspects of the divine, and to realize the divine we're in turn realizing ourselves. So if we are able to recognize, recognize ourselves as divine, then we step more into our true nature and therefore are better aligned with the divine that moves through all things. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. But it's not something that happens in sweeping movements. So to say that you're divine, can be, it can be a loaded thing. If someone says they're divine, that's been used to manipulate people at the same time. So I think a better way to say it is that we are approaching our inherent divine nature humbly. And only the true source knows our place and knows our intention. Because if you say, in, in, in my experiences in the past and others, 
too, too many individuals will say, I'm now self-realized. I've got a, a quick connection to God. So I'm inherently in the know more than you. And what I tell people is that I'm forever going to be on the same level as, as whoever I journey with. I'm never going to be um, the mythical holy man because that's not my place. I'm simply going to try my hardest to help people. I'm going to try to show them that there's hope. To, 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 to let them understand that, that no matter where you are in your place in this world, you are the intention of God. We're going to have to take a break. Um, Frater Bach and I will be back shortly. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're brought to you by the leader in paranormal, spirituality, and alternative health programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Don't go away. We will be back. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune in to Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with Spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. 
Now on Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka. Our guest this hour brought her Bob McDonald, author of the volume of Sacred Law and the volume of Sacred Law Continued Writings. Um, we were really having fun going into various ways of reconnecting with ourselves and with God. Um, how does your church relate to the Divine Feminine? Um. Let me put this in a very simple way. The divine feminine is is all things, to me especially. To those of us in the church, we understand that there's no distinction between the masculine and feminine in the divine current, the essence and awareness of God. However, the divine feminine manifests in all aspects of life and love and and penetrates every every atom and, and element of this creation. Um, I myself recognize the divine feminine in the form of the Virgin Mary. Others recognize the divine feminine by other names. Um, I would say to use the pronoun, she's been with me my whole life. Uh, the, my connection to the Virgin Mary is something that I was born into. And it's something that has been a profound source of healing in my life. Uh, in, in the traditions of the sacramental West, she is the Theotokos, the one that bore God. And that's not a title to be taken lightly. Within the mother contains all life and, and the essence of all things. So that would be, I guess, a, a short answer for, for our connection to the divine feminine. 
So before we get too far into this last segment, would you please tell people how they can find your books and services in your church? Okay. Um, like I said, my the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue is going into and going through a bit of a transition. We're becoming the Priory of the Rose Cross, and we are in the process of aligning with a greater apostolic Gnostic body known as the Oriental Apostolic Church of Damkar. And their website is church-of-damkar.org. And they are a apostolic church that practices what's known as the Gnostic charism. The charism is a, is a, a style or approach. For instance, Franciscans practice their Catholicism in the charism of St. Francis. So it, the Church of Damkar is a neo-Gnostic church. Those of us in the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue, we've been kind of isolated and by ourselves for a while. We've been functioning for about two years. So through getting to know the individuals in the Church of Damkar, we felt a desire and a need to branch out and to join a, a family of, of fellow travelers. And we, these people are just wonderful people. It's, it, and I guess on, on Friday and on Saturday, I'm being ordained into the priesthood. So it's been an interesting journey for us, and really the journey is just starting. Once again, life causes transition. And all of us are excited and, and ready for the next phase mm. of our journey. That's nice. Uh, how can one find enlightenment through the blending of traditions rather than ending up just dabbling? It seems like that might be a, a, a delicate balance. It is a delicate balance. It all goes back again to intention. Um, I'll give you an example. I am a practicing Shaivite um, within Hinduism. Those are the ones that honor the god Shiva. It's something that I've been practicing. I was initiated in 2008. It's something that I've been practicing since then. I don't personally see conflict there. I simply see uh, another method of approaching God. There's a saying, um, it's kind of known as a, uh, just like a, a small Gnostic teaching. So the, the, what happened is, a man went up to a priest and said, how can you be a priest of Christ and say that you love Krishna as well? And the priest said, do you have, do you have more than one child? And the, and the man said, well, yes, I have two children. He said, then if you have ch two children, how, how could you not know the answer already? <laughs> so, so it's very simple. The, the love for one does not diminish the love for another. Um, <clears throat> I guess sometimes individuals want to experience something, but they don't want to dive headlong into it. I don't see a, a problem with that. Some call it dabbling. Um, I think that it has to do with your understanding of what you're doing. If you stick your toe in the water a little bit in another tradition, and then claim you know everything about that tradition, that's the problem. But if you have just a desire to experience how someone else lives in a, another way of approaching God, 
then there's no harm in that. So there are those of us that are part of multiple traditions that have been part of these traditions for years and years and years. And this is nothing new in the mystical circles. Those that, that pursue the mystical awareness of God, you'll find one thing that's very common is how uncommon the different spiritual approaches are and how they're so eclectic. It, it is amazing, isn't it, how many different spiritual approaches we have out there. And don't you think we've kind of slivered off because we're all trying to find the way rather than embrace everybody's way? Yes, I, I think that's exactly, that's exactly it. The, the way, the true path has no name. The names and the, the accents we put on our, our approach to the divine it's indigenous to us as humans. This has nothing to do with any design of the divine. We understand concepts through the abstract and through relating it back to our experiences as human. So to do that, what's happened is naturally, because we are a species of a variety of experiences, we approach the same thing in a multiple series of ways. <clears throat> it, it's interesting. My Again, my original Onic teacher uh, tells this legend, and I've heard it in many ways in many different languages, but it basically says that at one point we were sent to the four directions. We were cast across the planet, and it's only when we bring it all back together that we will know true enlightenment. Do you hold to that? I agree with that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think that there's <clears throat> there's a certain a, a a byproduct of the mystical experience is the accepting of that experiential source within the hearts of other people. I think that <clears throat> there was a story of Saint Francis and the Sultan and St. Francis was to appear before the Sultan, and they recognized within each other the spark of divine truth, and they embraced. St. Francis didn't have to sit there and badger the Sultan about what it really meant to really believe God, and the Sultan didn't force St. Francis to really believe God in, in his way. They, through, because they were inherent mystics, because they they chased the spirit and they chased the divine purpose and not necessarily the dogma, they were quick to recognize that they were fellow travelers. They were pilgrims. I, I use a, a, a term, I call it the eternal pilgrim. I am an eternal pilgrim. I am, I am constantly on the holy quest. That is how I'm able to sanctify my life and to allow myself to, even in the mundane world, experience the vibrance and reality of spiritual awakening to the best of my ability. It would go a long way if all of us would do exactly what you just described is in upon meeting each other look for the divine in each other rather than the differences? Yes, absolutely. It's the first thing 
the trained eye, one that walks in the path of, of the divine, it's the first thing that they tend to, to notice. That's Like I said, it's a byproduct of that. I've, I've seen it over and over again. People who will, will hear or see of a unique approach and their first reaction is not fear. Because that seems to be the consistent reaction to those that don't know how to begin this approach. They're fearful. They're afraid that the dogma and the structures and the and the rules put in place are really what's causing the spiritual experience. So they're afraid to stray. But when they get over the fear, when they overcome it, whether through help by knowing individuals that are open. Frater, Fra- of- time flies and I'm afraid we're out of it. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Our well, thank you so is- much for Mm-hmm. Our guest this hour has been Frater Bob McDonald, author of The Volume of Sacred Law and The Volume of Sacred Law Continued Writings. You can find him on his Facebook page, facebook.com slash GnosticChurchDV. This has been The Science of Magic. Don't forget to join us on our next episode of The Science of Magic. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you walk your sacred path to enlightenment. Searching through the night.